So we're going to talk about Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. He is one of the guys that, next to Jesus, has one of the biggest integrities um, that he lived through. Uh, let's go ahead and start talking about before. We all know the story, right? He became uh, next to Pharaoh. He was one of the highest people, you know. Um, and he, he went through some great stuff and great trials and, and made it through. And we all look at these characters in the Bibles and we're like, man, I want to be like that. But we forget and we don't think about that at what some point those people were at the same place where you and I were at. Matter of fact, if we talk about Joseph before uh, he went through this whole craziness, he was the 11th son out of 12 um, from his father Jacob. And he was the son of Rachel. Now, Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife. That was the woman that he loved. So naturally, because Joseph was the firstborn, he spoiled Joseph. He gave him gifts. I believe he gave him gifts all the time, and the reason why is because the Bible clearly tells us about how his brothers were bitter against him. They didn't like him. They were really mean to him. Joseph, uh, Jacob even gave Joseph, actually, that coat, like we were talking about, that robe you know, of many colors. And it, it's, it's funny. The Bible actually says that it's long sleeves, and it goes down to his ankles. I was doing some research on that, and it turns to find out long sleeve, if you get a robe of long sleeve, it's actually a sign of nobility. Uh, historians believe that his brothers had robes, but, uh, but they were cut, the sleeves were cut so that they could do more manual work. Um, and that, that was, uh, so long sleeves so that you can't, it's, you can't work very much, there's not much movement, was a sign of nobility. So that shows how much his brothers really kind of got angry, like this guy gets the good gifts and doesn't work. And matter of fact, the Bible even tells us he was actually a bit of a tattletale. I don't know if you guys knew that. He'd be out in the fields with his, with his brothers attending to the flock, and he'd run back to his dad and tell him, Daddy, Daddy, look what they did. They were doing this and that, and they were bad. Anybody has had a baby brother or sister who was a tattletale? Anybody? <laughs> Those of you that didn't raise your hand, that's because that was you. You were the tattletale. <laughs> we will pray for you after the service. No worries. We will rebuke that. No. <laughs> No, so no wonder his brothers really didn't like him. You know, I think it's important to see why things happen. You know, why, how did Joseph get to this place? And why did his brothers feel the way they did? And when we understand that, we begin to open and, and see what is really happening here in the scenes. Because we can read through these, these stories and think, think right over it, you know. It's another time, it's blah, blah, blah. But we don't understand that it's actually closer, it hits closer to home than we think. Um, so anyway, so he gets that robe, you know, and, and that makes him even more angry, his brothers. And then um, at 17 years old, he's 17 now, anyone have teenagers in their house, 17 years old, they think they know everything, right? I remember I thought I knew everything, and then I hit 21, I was like, holy cow, I know nothing. And then I hit 30, and I'm like, I really know nothing. I got a lot more to learn. So at 17 years old, now he had a gift of interpreting dreams. That God gave him that gift. And he clearly had a relationship with God um, because he had that gift of interpreting dreams. And he knew that God gave him this dream. And this dream was that one day everyone was going to bow down to him. Um, and he told his family. He told his brothers. Now, how many of you guys know, knowing what happens next in the story, that was probably not a smart decision so you're already the baby of the brother, and you're a tattleteller, and you know that your brothers hate you, and then you go up and tell them, God gave me a dream that you guys are going to bow before me. <laughs> right? <laughs> my little, uh, she's not here, thank God, but my little brother's here, but my baby sister, she was the tattleteller. Thank God she wasn't going to be like, no, that ain't happening. I don't think so. 
Um, so anyway, that really grew a bitterness in their hearts, like a hatred, so much so that they decided uh, right then to plan, go ahead and plan, a device a plan to kill him. And so they go and, and they throw him in the pit, but they can't go through with it. They can't go through killing his brother. So they decide to actually sell him into slavery. They sell him to this group of people, and then that group of people sell him to this other group of people, and a caravan go into Egypt, and then that caravan sells Joseph to Potiphar, which is an, off, off, an officer of Egypt. Are you guys still with me? All right, it's not confusing yet, right? All right, awesome. So this is where we're going to go ahead and pick up our story. Um, but as we read... One thing that I think is, is important that as we begin to read this is to, to see that Joseph, he never wavered. As he goes through these things, he never, he never says, that's it, I'm done with you, God, I, this is stupid. Or, or he never says, God, why am I going through this? Why did you put me through this? He doesn't question. He doesn't do nothing. All he does is he gets closer to God, and, and he spends more time with him, and he grows and matures as, all these things are, as he goes through all these things. Amen? All right, so let's go ahead and open our Bibles to uh, Genesis 39, verse 2. You guys there? Oh, we got it. Cool. Let's do it. All right. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Now, I want you guys to, to pay attention to this. This is really important. It says here, the Lord was with Joseph, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. The Bible says the master saw that the Lord was with him. Joseph didn't have to go around saying, I believe in God. Now, remember, he is in the house of an Egyptian. This Egyptian, Egyptians now, they have many gods. Many different, they have the God of the sun, the God of the moon, and God of death, and God of anything. You think of it, they probably have it. They had many gods. Um, what they didn't have was the God of Israel, the Hebrew God. And he could see that Joseph had favor with God, with a God that he didn't even know existed or believed in. Well, he probably knew he existed, but he didn't even believe in it. Yet he could see this. Now, I think it's important to know why could he see this? Why did he see this? I believe it's because we, we look at his, if, if someone can see that God is with him, we can tell that Joseph was not depressed. He didn't get depressed and he didn't get bitter. Because how, how many of you guys have had someone that you've seen that have became like second in command next to the CEO, someone who was depressed, bitter, angry, full of hatred? I normally don't see anyone like that who gets those kind of promotions. And Joseph, he got promoted all the way up to the second. No one was, was higher than him except for the master. And matter of fact, the master didn't worry about anything except for the food he ate. That's all he had. Joseph controlled everything else. That says just a, a huge thing. Um, now, now, let's imagine this, because this is difficult. Imagine because I don't think we grasp fully what he just went through. Imagine that all your siblings 
and your cousins, because we probably all don't have like 12 brothers and sisters, right? Imagine you have your, your brothers and sisters and, and your cousins, and they all came, they were all Christians too, and they all came together and decided for whatever reason that they hated you, you were the one that was disliked, and they wanted to kill you, but they couldn't go through it, go through with it, so they sold you into slavery, and now you're probably in Africa living in a, 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 a world that you have no idea what it's like or anybody, and you have no family around you anymore. Most of us, we would get, we'd be depressed, we'd be angry at our family. We'd be angry at God. We'd be like, God, why did this happen? What's going on? You know? And because they were Christians, a lot of us would probably stop following God if we're honest. We'd be like, Christians did this to me. Christians. And above all, they were my family. So that's important to see. This is exactly what he went through, Joseph went through, yet he did not waver. He, he stayed in God, and we see that because he has his blessings. Now let's read on um, in verse 6. Let's continue on. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That could be its own message right there. That is, it's hard being handsome in form and appearance. It's true. It's true. But we'll skip over that. <laughs> we won't talk about that right now. I'll let Pastor Matt handle that. He's good at that. <laughs> okay, verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her, heed her to lie with her or to be with her. This is, is, like, huge. We always look at this part, and we're like, man, like, Joseph was a strong guy to, to, to avoid temptation. He's like, that dude, didn't, it didn't even phase him. What we don't realize is Joseph is a man just like us, you and me. He has the same temptations. Matter of fact, I mean, this guy is in a land that he doesn't know, if he fell into sin, he could get away with it because he doesn't have family, he doesn't know anybody. As a matter of fact, he's in this house where he could basically get away with anything. He could get away with sleeping and having this affair with Potiphar's wife and no one know about it. Yet he doesn't, and he says no. And I believe the secret of that is not because Joseph had some kind of secret super strength against temptation, I believe it's because of his mindset. Remember, the Bible says to take, cap the, take captives as the thoughts. You know, take your thoughts captive. That's how it goes. <laughs> take your thoughts captive. And that's exactly what Joseph did. And we see that because of his response. He says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He doesn't say, how can I do this sin against my master? How can I betray my master, the one who, who brought me up and put me here in this position that I have and, and, and this great over, over, the, over his house? He says, how can I do this sin against God? I believe it's just like what Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that, that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. He had that in his head. That is the secret to all temptations. If anyone is dealing with, with drug addictions, with pornography, with affairs, whatever it is, all that stuff, the secret is knowing in your mind that everything you do, you are doing it towards God and not man. You know, if you, if you, if you start in your head 
thinking about those things, instead of thinking about God and how I can't, do, I can't sin against God, you are going to fail. The secret is having your thought captive and keeping it on God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, so good. So after this, uh, what happens is, I, we, we all know the story. It's kind of weird keep talking about it when everyone pretty much probably knows it. Uh, but he keeps, he keeps tempting him, she, or she keeps tempting him. Um, over and over again, and he doesn't heed her, he, he, he ignores her, and then one day, he walks into the house all alone, um, and Potiphar's wife is the only one in there, and she grabs him by his, his robe, wanting to sleep with him, begging him, trying to, I mean, this is the biggest temptation for any man in the world. A woman is grabbing you and just saying, lie with me, seducing you, trying to seduce you, and what he does is he doesn't even worry about pulling away his robe, he leaves his robe and runs runs out as fast as he can. And she starts screaming. The servants come in and she starts yelling, rape, rape, rape. That's what he was, he was trying to rape me. And so Potiphar, he gets home from whatever it was he was doing and she starts telling him about what had just happened. So let's continue and read that. She tells him how he tried uh, to rape her. Uh, so let's start. That'll be in verse 19. So it was... When his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger aroused. How many of you guys know if, if, someone, if your wife tells you someone just tried to rape her, how many of you men, how many of you guys would get angry too, right? I'd be furious. I'd be getting a gun or something. No, I wouldn't. That's not good. I'm kidding. <laughs> Read on. <laughs> Okay, I need to shut my mouth. <laughs> Let's just get through this. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> all right. So his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all prisoners who were in prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. This is huge. This is something really awesome. Okay, the Bible says two more times right here that the Lord was with him. Now, that's a total of three times in one chapter that the Bible says the Lord was with him. That is important. Three is, an, is a number that is repeated in the Bible over and over again. And some of them mean different things. In this particular text, in this particular story, the writer is telling us, is it, what he's doing is he's emphasizing that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, that's why when Jesus, we read that Jesus, he often said, truly, truly, I say to you. He repeated the word truly to emphasize what he was saying. Uh, in the, unlike in the English word where we emphasize, we use adjectives like very or, or much, super, you know. Uh, so that's important. The writer's emphasizing, this is an important part, that the Lord was with Joseph. Um, also, uh, again, we also see him having favor. Joseph was having favor. Just what happened in Potiphar's house, he got there, he went up the ranks all the way till 
the, the last one before becoming the number one head household person. The same thing happened here in the prison. What does that say? That means Joseph, he still worked hard. Joseph did not let himself get depressed. He did not get angry. Instead, he just stayed in the word. He stayed with his relationship with God. He kept in there. He didn't let situations bring him further apart from God. Matter of fact, remember, he had this dream that everyone was going to bow down before him, right? We remember that. Now, he, when he first had the dream, he was happy and excited to share it with the world, and it got him here. Now we see all these things happening to him, and he doesn't say one word about it. He doesn't say anything, even when he was wrongfully accused. He was wrongfully accused of adultery, yet he didn't say nothing. He didn't raise his voice. He didn't say, I didn't do it. He didn't even say, you know, you know what? You guys are crazy. You're going to throw me in prison, but one day you're all going to bow down before me. How many of you guys know some of us would be like that, right? You're throwing me in to prison? One day you guys are going to bow before me, and we're going to see who goes to prison then, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just our flesh. It's how sometimes we feel. But Joseph doesn't. Instead, he stays concentrated and he works hard. He goes up the ranks. He keeps getting favor and God's favor is in him. I believe when we get to the end of the story, you guys are going to see how much of God's spirit was really in him. It's just awesome. It's awesome. I love it. Now, this is really cool. Um, well, before I get into the history part, uh, how many of you guys know as well, look, doing the right thing isn't always it's, it's not always rainbows and happiness. Sometimes we're going to be confronted with things where we have to do the right thing, and it may end, up, end us up in, in bad places, hopefully not prison, right? <laughs> but it'll, it, you'll end up in, it, bad things will happen to you. It's not, and it's, it's not, I mean, they hung Jesus on the cross for healing people, for showing love. That's why, they, that's why the Pharisees put him on the cross, you know? Paul preaching. They threw him in jail because he was preaching good news. He wasn't saying nothing bad. He was just telling people how much Jesus loved him, how much he, he wanted to be with him, the relationship. And they threw him in jail for that. Guys, sometimes people aren't going to like what we say. And it's just going to happen. It's just, it's just going to happen. But we need to know that just because those things happen, it doesn't mean we're further away from the God-given dream that God's given us. Right? Oh, so good. Now, this is awesome. This is cool. I love doing like the history and looking this up because I found something really cool about, I keep spitting. I'm sorry. That's, uh, the carpet's going to be soaked by the end of the sermon. <laughs> now, this is really cool. We read about him going to prison, right? And we're like, oh, that sucks and everything. And, but we don't, we don't think twice about him going to prison. This is interesting. Did you know? This is a did you know part. I skipped a really good part. I'll go back to it after this. Okay. <laughs> we'll go backwards too. So did you know that in ancient Hebrew, they didn't have jails? They didn't have prisons. They didn't exist. The way they handled things in ancient Hebrew was one of three ways. One was the death penalty. Do a crime, you get the death penalty. Two was a fine. You'd have to pay a fine, pay so many sheep, give up, whatever. Three was cutting off of an arm, an eye, a mutilation of some kind. That's how they dealt with crimes then. Now, in the ancient times, in the ancient world, prisons were very rare. Ancient Egypt is actually one of the few that actually had prisons. But 
the prisons don't work like we think of now. They don't, it's not a, you, you pay your time for your crime. What actually, uh, the way it worked was you were thrown in prison until they could decide which of the three you would have to pay for, whether death penalty um, was it the fine and some kind of cutting off a mutilation, cutting off an arm, leg, whatever. Uh, that's why we see when Pharaoh throws in the cupbearer and, and the baker, we see they didn't stay much, they didn't stay very long at all. And that is why, because that's how they handle things. They just stay for a little bit until they can decide what to do with them. But no one ever paid time for the crime. And now, here's the interesting part. Do you know what the punishment is for adultery in those times? Death. Death was the punishment for adultery. Joseph was not put to death, but thrown in prison and left there to be forgotten. We read this and we're like, God, where are you? God saved Joseph from death. He should have been, he was wrongfully accused, and obviously it was enough for people to believe that they had to do something with him, but they didn't put him to death. It just shows how much the favor of God was really on Joseph, and so much so that Potiphar couldn't put this man to death because he knew God was with this man. And I can't put a man of God to death when he may or may not have deserved it. That's how much God's favor was on him, right? Oh, it's so good, so good. Oh, I love it. Okay, history is super cool. I, it's getting into it. It's just you learn so much just diving into the Word and figuring out things out, like how, how uh, the setting was. What was it really like back then? What did it mean to go to prison? What did it mean to be accused of this and that? And you learn so much and how much God was really protecting Joseph. It's awesome. Okay, I'm going to go back for a second because I totally forgot about this, and I, I can't forget about this part. It's so good. So we're going to go back. Um, here we go. Now, this is in verse 39, uh, in, in verse five, uh, I mean, chapter 39, verse 5. It says, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. This is when he's in, uh, uh, Joseph is in, in uh, uh, Pharaoh's house, right? And it says, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. This, to me, like, I love, I love this part because it's huge. God blessed Potiphar and his household. Potiphar is someone who's not a believer. He doesn't follow God. He's an Egyptian who has many gods, yet because of Joseph, he stepped in there. God blessed him. I'm going to show you, uh, actually, the picture's coming up in a little bit, but hold it for a second. I'm going to tell you a story. So when I was little, I was a little kid living in Mexico. I used to live in Mexico. Um, if you haven't noticed, I'm, I'm Mexican-American. That's why I got this beautiful tone, color that everyone wishes they could be, you know? It's not sun. It's no fake and bake. Pure sexy. Take a good look. Yeah. <laughs> no. But when I, was, when I was a kid in Mexico, um, I loved playing on the streets. Loved it. And especially even more after it rained. You see, on our street, we didn't have drainage or sewage. And so the water would pour, and it would collect anywhere it could, and the potholes was where it was at. It was like a mini jacuzzi, except without clean water or the bubbles. But when you're in Mexico, beggars can't be choosers, and I loved it. I actually have a picture I want to go ahead and show you. This is what I looked like uh, after that. Yes. Uh, yes. Keep it coming. Yeah, very adorable, I know. <laughs> Yes, that's what, that's what I looked like. It was fun. Uh, so my grandma, she'd come out, oh, no, 
kid. And she'd grab me by the head and pull me inside the house to clean me up. And, and as we were walking, anything I touched got mud on it. I look back, I'm tracking mud as well. Guys, God's blessing is just like that. Everywhere we go, we leave our mark of blessing in that house. That's why God blessed Potiphar and his household. They can be atheists. They could even be devil worshipers. But we, how many of you guys know God is stronger than devil worshipers and and anything in this world, amen? So God blessed Potiphar, not because of what he believed in, but because Joseph stepped in there. We leave our mark of blessing, and the people around us, the people we interact with, the unbelievers, our friends, whoever they are, they get those leftover blessings that God has given us. Isn't that powerful? Oh, it's so good, and it's right there. I love that. Oh, it's so good. So good. Okay, so after this, so Joseph is in in prison. Um... What happens next is Pharaoh, he throws in the cupbearer, which is, uh, some Bibles call it butler. Um, historians are not sure what butler actually meant in those t- ancient times, but we do know that one of his jobs was to hand the cups over to Pharaoh and give, uh, give them to him. So uh, some verses call him the cupbearer. So the cupbearer and the baker were thrown in jail. Um, historians believe that there was some sort of plot. They found some sort of plot that involved these two against Pharaoh. Um, so... Then uh, they have a dream, and they are, when they wake up, they're disturbed. And we're going to go ahead and pick up on right there. This is chapter 40, verse 5. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me, please. This is a, I want to point out this, this verse. He is in prison. Um, he's been sold into slavery. He was wrongfully accused of adultery. And now he's in prison not knowing whether the next day they're going to call him up to, to kill him and throw him in, in, in or to execute him because uh, adultery is uh, death penalty. And he still, in here it says, he looked at them and saw that they were sad. He wasn't in self-pity. He was in, in, in the relationship with God and still had the time to care about other people in the midst of his chaos, in the midst of what he was going through, in the craziness, the, God, what is happening? Come on. Can I get a break or what? In the midst of all that, he still cared about them. He still, he, he said, why do you look so sad today? He was still thinking about it. I want to encourage you guys, when we go through our midst, let's not get so caught up in self-pity. Let's not get so caught up in, God, what the heck is going on? Or I'm just tired. I've had it. This is horrible. Let's still have our eyes open and be willing to serve other people. We are serving of other people no matter what we're going through. Let's change this world. And that's the only way. If we're constantly thinking about our own feelings and, and how we feel, we're never going to be those game changers that Jesus has called us to be. We'll never be like Paul, like Joseph, like Peter, like all the greats, all the greats in the Bible. We'll never will be like that if we're so caught up in, in our, own, our own world, our own hurt, our own pain, you know? Awesome. 
All right, so what happens then? He interprets the dream for them, um, and, and he tells them, you know, three days, that one person's going to die, and this person's going to be put back in, in your position. And it happens, and um, Joseph tells the cupbearer, because he's the one who actually survives, tells him, hey, don't forget about me. Please don't forget about me, <laughs> you know, when you're out there, because there's no way for him to get out. You guys understand that? He's, it's been years since he's been in prison now, and he should have gotten the death penalty, but he didn't, and now he's in there. The only way out is, is really a miracle to get out of that, because you're not supposed to be in, in prison doing time. Amen? All right. How many of you guys liking it so far? Is this good? Is all right? <laughs> oh, man. This is, uh, this is like totally different than last time. This is more of a teaching thing. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I like it. I like it. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, now, Pharaoh has a dream, a vivid dream. No one can interpret it. Nobody. Not his magicians, the other gods, nothing. So, um, the cupbearer finally remembers, bling, light bulb. I know a guy who can interpret dreams. I actually interpreted mine. It was true. And Pharaoh's like, all right, we'll bring him over and we'll see what happens. And so, that's what happens. They go for, they go for Joseph and Joseph, they make him shower, and they make him shave. Can you imagine how big his beard was? He probably looked like Moses, right? Except this was before Moses' time. So he was like technically the first Moses, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> Jewish people wear beards. End of story. Um, no, he had to shower, and he had to shave because in the ancient times, uh, in Egypt, they were very much into hygiene and also a nice, clean, shaved face. In fact, when we see pharaohs who actually have a goatee or a beard... Uh, it's actually a fake beard they would wear. I don't know if you guys knew that, but that was interesting. I was like, no way, unless they were born of this other culture, but those were like rare. It was like one out of 10 pharaohs. Anyway, so that was cool. So anyway, so (laughs) Joseph gets there and tells him, you know, he's like, God will give you a favorable answer. It's not me, it's God. And, um, And so notice how he always brings everything back to God. You know, if we look back, you know, he tells the baker and the cupbearer, he says, do not interpretations belong to God. And then right before he he interprets this dream for Pharaoh, he tells him, "Um, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. He still has a relationship with God. He still brings all the glory to God. He's like, look, this is not me. It's not my gifting. It's not my ability. This is actually, it's just God, you know, and I have a relationship with him. I can hear him. We talk to each other and he's going to give you the answer, not me. That's huge, huge as, as we're going to go ahead and close up soon here. Now, uh, this is chapter 41, verse 37. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there's no one as discerning and as wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck and he had him ride in the 
second chariot which he had, and they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Wow. Wow. He was 30 years old when Pharaoh called him up and he interpreted that dream and all this happened. 30 years old. He was 17 when he was thrown into, the, into slavery. That means he spent 13 years feeling and it looking like he got further and further and further away from his God-given dream. Yet, he never wavered. He kept his eyes on God. We keep saying how he says, God's going to give you an answer. God's going to give you an answer. He never wavered. It's huge. We see at the beginning of the story, Joseph, an immature, an immature kid, a 17-year-old know-it-all, tattletale, spoiled daddy's favorite son, and telling the whole world how everyone's going to bow before him. And then we see him here at the end. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't try what he did at the beginning. He let God put him in that place instead of him trying to get himself in the place that God had given him. The place that he knew God would put him in, his rightful place. He didn't force his way. All he did was just say, God, I'm here. Use me. I see people hurting. I'm going to help them. And that's all I care about. I'm not going to worry about anything else except for that. And he let God put him in that place. He was basically like a king. He was second to Pharaoh. That's huge. I want to end with and just close with this. Don't let God gives us dreams and they're awesome and they're so good. But it's important to know that it is not us who's going to make it happen. I mean, you have a part in it being in relationship with God and following Him, being in the Word, being connected. But it is not us. Who's going to force it? You can't walk around saying, God gave me this dream, so it's going to happen. God said, I'm going to be the president of the United States, so all of you guys are going to have to listen to me, right? That'd be crazy. You'd be up for the runner in the presidency and telling everybody, I already know I'm going to win. God said so. I'm going to win, and you all are going to have to listen to me. You wouldn't win then. And that's what happened with Joseph. He kept getting, he, he got further away, but God put him in that place. He stopped getting in the way of what God was doing and said, all right, God, let's just do it. And God put him there. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. I love how in this verse, after Joseph talks to him, Pharaoh even says, can we find such a one as this man, this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? Even Pharaoh, a man who has many gods, says that this man has the Spirit of God in him. He has the Holy Spirit. I believe some of you guys have had dreams that are God-given, God-given dreams, and they are so good, so good. But some of us, just things happen, life happens, and we feel like we're further and further away from them, and we ask God, what is going on? I want to encourage you. Don't force it. You follow God, 
be a good servant, be a game changer, reach people, change people's lives, because God is the one who's going to open those doors and make it happen. If we try it on our own without God, it just fails. And, it's, and even if we do make it, it's not what God planned. It's not as big. It's not as grand. Some of you guys, I feel, have forgotten about your dreams, or maybe you don't have a dream and you want a God-given dream. I just want to pray for you guys that you just start asking God for that dream because he'll give it to you, each and every one of you. You're not too old and you're not too young, and it's never too late. Father, Lord, I thank you for this message. I just pray that the people just soak this up, Lord. You are such a good God, and we love you, and we worship you. We follow you. Lord, I just pray right now that if there's any people in this room that feel like they're just so far away from their dreams, the dream that they know and they feel that you gave them to them, that it's, it's their right because it's from you. Lord, I just pray right now that you just cover them. Holy Spirit, re-energize them. Father, refill them up and let them know that it is never too late and they're never too far because nothing can stop you. Not, not even being in prison can stop from your will coming true, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I pray for those people who are here who haven't had dreams yet and they feel like they're just walking around doing nothing. God, I just, I pray that you visit them tonight. Give them dreams. Give them something to live for, a plan, even if it's just a step-by-step, Lord. Show them how much you love them and give them so they have something to look forward to as they go out and change this world. In the name of Jesus, we love you and we pray. And we all said, amen.